Welcome everybody to episode two of Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR, the husband slash father. And I'm Molly, the wife slash mom. Who's got a cat sleeping in your lap. She's not sleeping, but she's purring. I think I might use that as this episode's cover. So before we get started on a topic, how's your week been? <laughs> any random any random child stories? Any random any uh, so today ridiculousness. Um today Elise was sitting on the couch with me reading a book that we have called, I can't remember the title. It's in a CCEF series of counseling books aimed at children. Mm-hmm. And this one is about a, somebody's really, a, he's really sad because his pet ladybug, he's an animal, um, hedgehog maybe, his pet ladybug died and he's sad and he misses her and his dad helps him process the grief and that it's okay to be sad and in the new heavens and the new earth we won't have to be sad because things won't be broken anymore and we've read it a few times and Elise is looking at it by herself today and she goes if I ever have a pet die I'm just gonna keep it forever and I was like no you're not the body would rot and she's like hmm okay Little, she's five. You know, kids just, they don't process grief quite in the same way that no. we do. I mean, when, when our last dog died, was that, when did Callie die? Was that just last fall? Not this past fall, but the fall before. I don't before. know, but Migo's ashes are still in his in a box on the shelf in the garage. That's why I didn't even bother to get Callie's ashes. But um, do you, you, I don't know if you remember, but she had like a brain hemorrhage and her eye was yeah, bleeding, yeah. like bulging because it was filling with blood. Is that and when I was on the way, I was going skiing that day or was that a different No, that day? was when Migo died oh. the previous year. So this was, you were died. downstairs doing something and you came upstairs and I met you at the top of the stairs and her eye was like in your face and it was yeah. very clear. She needed to go to the vet and that was it. Mm-hmm. And as we're on the way out the door, me and this dog that I've had for like 15 years... The kids are like, do we get to get a cat now? <laughs> Please let your mom be sad. I didn't realize this doesn't mean anything to you yet. But anyway, so I was, I fortunately with Elise didn't have to go into um, bodies rotting and things like that. Um, but. Um, so morbid. But she was, she was just going to keep the pet's body forever. Um, and then she wanted, she was also inspired by. His name was it? No, Gus is the one who has a problem with eating too much candy. Buster, maybe. Anyway, whatever, whatever this character is. it another book character? Yeah, oh. whatever this character's name is. He also, since it was a pet ladybug, Elise was going to go out hunting for pet bugs in the yard tomorrow. And I was like, Elise, it's January in Montana. Feels like spring. It does. You're right, it does. I do. I plan to clean dog poop tomorrow. Someone on Instagram called it Junuary. Yeah, but we'll be back to Sub Zero soon. So. Hopefully for longer than a week. Not sub-zero. I like it when it's cold. Yeah. I don't like warm, dry, windy weather makes me kind of cranky <clears throat> and stuff. So So how was your yeah. week? Uh, interesting. I've been processing two things. First, so as I mentioned on the last, I haven't mentioned this yet. So right before the holidays, and this is a long-winded post on why, I, I pitched... A TV show to a major studio um, and kind of just sitting back and waiting. So the executive producer there said, yeah, 
take a look at it over the holidays and get back to you. But it probably won't be till after Christmas because the holidays were right around the corner and everything else. So yesterday, um, I went back and forth. Like, how far do I get into the writing the first, the pilot episode before I call and find out if she looked at it? What does she think? Um, and so what she originally said was, hey, we'll call back and then we can we can talk about the show kind of a little more in depth. I'm like, okay. So I sent her kind of like a mini show Bible with, you know, locations, characters, biographies, overall storyline, a few little outlines thrown in there. And I emailed her yesterday. She emailed back right away, said, I had a chance to look at it on the plane yesterday to read it. Uh, the period is tough, very intriguing. Will you let me see the pilot script when you're comfortable with it? And I said, absolutely, yes. So on to phase three of the process, you know, whether the pilot holds mustard. So kind of felt like it was do or die time. Does my writing hold up or not? And, you know, and this isn't my first script, which is helpful, but um, none of my other scripts have seen the light of like anybody's eyes except maybe mine. So we'll see if I'm terrible at screenwriting or if it works. Um, and then on the other thing was a conversation you and I had about um, life and husbandry and wife and family stuff. And it got me contemplating. Um, it got me contemplating what does a husband and father's role look like if he doesn't if he doesn't bring in the income to provide for his family, like if that's not his thing, you know, and I mentioned this to you today, most dads leave the house for 10 to 12 hours a day, five to six days a week. And that's their role. That's who they are. Yeah. We come home and play with the kids, whatever. But if you're not doing that, <clears throat> you better put her down. She's going to like, <laughs> she was gonna... so peaceful and happy a minute ago. Yeah. I have a cat in my lap. Um, so what does that role look like if you're not, if you don't make, um, if you don't, if you don't make the bacon for the family, you know, full disclosure, um, I don't make the bacon for the family. We've got some passive income, which kind of what everybody wants, but then it puts me into crisis mode because like, who am I? What is my reason for being here? Why am I here right now? Um, which is a weird problem to have, but it's true. You know, like I don't feel needed. You know, you made the argument that you do all the, you know, most of the child raising you do all the cooking and so i'm kind of here going what am i good for so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna dive into that you forwarded me an article um i forgot what it's called but you forwarded me an atlantic monthly article i'm gonna read through that process and probably write something on our blog about it okay too busy to flush.com tb the number two f tb2f.com so go subscribe um <clears throat> other than that my week has been I should probably turn my phone on silent. My week has been fairly normal. Has it really? Outside of those two things, yes. Okay. I get up in the morning, make coffee. Um, yeah. Do your thing. You don't feel like we should tell him about our previous attempt to record this episode? I, I mentioned the conversation we might have had. I don't think <laughs> it needs any discussion. You wanted to scrap it. I wanted to scrap it. We had, failed, contentious. We, had we had a failed. We had a failed attempt. She was tired and and had maybe had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, and then picked a fight with me, and then it didn't go over well, and it just you know it's kind of normal marital stuff, right? But we decided, you know. But we, she apologized for your to your credit. You apologized right away, and I was just like, 
reeling. So it took me like two days to process and work my way through it. But that's, you know, and, but you were patient enough to give me time. Kind of like when we first got married and I would get into these spirals, these PTSD spirals from the divorce. Little things would trigger me. Um, and no, I'm not a millennial, but I will use the word trigger. They would trigger me and Molly would just put me to bed. I would get into this feedback loop in my head. It was very weird and I couldn't quite get out of it. So Molly would be like, why don't you go to bed? And then she'd stay up and cook or watch a TV show or something. But it worked. Your responses in those in those times were very healing. So. I just think they should know that um, we're normal enough that um, we have those moments. But we're trying to walk a line by broadcasting yeah. our lives where everyone doesn't have I, to see I, all the sausage, but well, just I, know that there is sausage yeah, I listened, going on. I listened back to the show today, and... At first, I didn't think I could listen to the show, but then I realized it wasn't the show that really, it was the conversation after the show. But it just, it was, it was okay. But there were a couple moments that got a little, I think would have made the average listener a little uncomfortable and not in or a good way. really intrigued and not in a good way. No, I don't, oh. I don't think, I don't, it's, it was more uncomfortable than intrigued. Like it, it was um, tone, tonality, the tone of the of what we were, of how we were saying things just was, but then I asked you to listen to it and you're like, nah, I just scrapped the whole thing. So <laughs> anyway, so this is attempt number two. It's kind of like they always say, you know, if you're on a reality TV show, it'll generally kill whatever relationship you had with whoever you're on with. <laughs> Obviously it didn't work with Chip and Joanna Gaines, but, um, and it didn't work with Duck Dynasty, but it, it frequently happens because so many people are in your face and you get this mentality of like hey i'm gonna live up for the camera so you say or do things you may not normally say and that has an, an adverse effect on the line and etc so but yeah okay so the thing <laughs> okay. one of the things we were talking about when we on take one um was i've been reading this book about george mueller to the kids <coughs> um we were studying Germany for school, um, and he was originally, before Germany existed as such, he was from Prussia, but he spoke German, and he ended up as a missionary to England, which seems a little, well, I guess it doesn't seem that wonky, because Martin Luther, um, kind of the cradle of the Protestant Revolution, was Germany. So, um, anyway, um, so he ends up as a as living in England, running an orphanage, which since Tuesday, I've learned he he had, like, as of our reading on Tuesday, he had something like four houses that housed between 35 and 40 orphans each. Well, now, uh, where we are, we've got, like, two chapters left. He now has, like, um, like 1,500 orphans in his care. He just keeps building this and this is around the turn of well the mid 1800s when orphans were sent to poor houses they were mm -hmm. considered a blight in english society and so they were doing what they could to make to punish poor people basically and these conditions in poor houses were just completely abysmal and um for example one of the guys that ends up in his orphanage 
His dad was a drunkard. His mom had like 10 kids and got sent to the poorhouse. And then his mom died. So they ended up in his dad's care and he died. And, you know, so these kids lied to the authorities and said that they had a relative who was going to take them in just to avoid going back into the poorhouse. They would rather, like, he would literally eat cigar butts just to fill his stomach. Ugh. Yes, this kid would eat cigar butts just to fill his stomach rather than be an orphan in the care of the British government at this time. And this is at the time when Charles Dickens wrote Oliver Twist to try to expose the plight of the orphans. And in fact, in the last chapter that we read yesterday, Charles Dickens actually hears about George Mueller and comes for a tour of his orphanage. And then he's going to write an op-ed praising this. Um, but, but the thing, the theme, the constant theme through this book is that ever since George Mueller became a Christian, um, and felt the call to be a missionary, um, he thought he would be going somewhere super exotic. And instead he ends up in England, which he thought was going to be a launching point for him to go to somewhere exotic, like Afghanistan or, you know, all these other Russia or somewhere. And instead he, he ends up staying in England and revolutionizing, um, orphan care for all of these people who would never hear the name of Jesus if it were not for him. She's not ruining anything yet. Um, anyway, his, his thing that he's most known for is that he never asks people for money. He will pray about something and then he'll ask, he'll tell people sometimes of his need or his idea, for example, when he wants to build this big, this big orphanage to go from housing dozens of kids to hundreds and thousands of kids. Obviously, he tells people that he wants to shop for land, but he doesn't ever ask people to give him money for the land. Um, he And then things happen like he goes to talk to the owner of the land that he feels like God is calling him to purchase. And the owner of the land is like, I couldn't sleep last night. I just knew that somebody was going to come make an offer on the land and that I had to offer it to them at a quarter of its value. Hmm. So, I mean, stuff like that where, and he, George Mueller kept a meticulous prayer journal, which incidentally I actually purchased in college when I'd heard of him and I dug it out of our library the other day and Titus was like, hey, this is a book with George Mueller in it. And I was like, that's his prayer journal where he would record all of his prayers and then he would record God answering them. And, um, it's, it, it continues to be challenging to me, just the idea of the posture of our prayer and praying and, oh, the cat's really clawing my foot right now. That hurts a lot. She's going after the curtains pretty good. Uh, no, she's all four claws are <clears throat> in my foot right now. Why don't you put her outside? Um, well, let me finish this thought if I can. Oh, that's, that's big actually, old bite. that's not teeth? my foot. That's just my sock. Fortunately, oh, that was her teeth. Um, but it was on my sock, not my um, foot. Um, I love having a half kitten over here. <laughs> anyway, Wait, whoa, she's hey, going to go after dude, you now. You are just... Get the back of her neck. There we go. Okay, all right. <sighs> she's stuck on something. The studio kitty. Pointy, pointy creature. The studio kitty. Um. Anyway. Um, she's totally going to be the cover of our next episode, I think. Um. Sh- uh, anyway, George Mueller. It's been challenging me to me to think how much... Do I pray in faith? Because I certainly don't pray with the faith of George Mueller um, to, it, you know. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, 
So with this book in mind, um, on on Friday, last Friday night, Lily was crying at bedtime because she didn't want to go to ski lessons because the reason she told me is because she doesn't have any friends there. And so she, which is, which is fair, you know, you're going to spend an entire day skiing with a group of kids. If you feel lonely in the midst of that, you're going to dread doing Mm -hmm. that. There were other circumstances like the fact that she had felt sick the previous week and had only done half a day while feeling sick and hadn't had a great experience with how her teacher treated her while she was feeling sick. Um, And so I, reading this, was like, okay, God, I'm going to pray this out loud with Lily. We're going to lay it out there, and we're going to ask God to give you a friend. Um, And then when he gives you, not if, when he gives you a friend at ski lessons on Saturday tomorrow, we're going to talk about this at the end of the day, and we're going to thank God for answering your prayer. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, God, I'm really putting myself out here for my daughter because I don't even know what the demographics of her class are. Right. Um, I, I don't know if she's going to make a friend. And then I get up there on Saturday with her, and there's another mom with a girl who seems kind of sad because she's switched into Lily's class. And we're chatting, and we're like, well, maybe you guys can ride the lift together. And, and then a friend of this other little girl comes up and joins the class and all of a sudden I'm like like here I'm getting all hopeful that I'm setting Lily up with a friend Mm -hmm. and then incidentally it was the friend who came up and joined at the end of the day Lily was like I had a great day and I made a friend today mom Mm. and it was the girl that like came up and I thought was going to get in the way of Lily and the friend I was trying to set her up with so so much for me and my machinations of trying to help God (laughs) answer my prayer to I mean more confirmation that God God does what God does. But even that just kind of challenged me how much how much how much should I be praying in faith? And yet at the same time, God for sure doesn't answer all of our prayers with a yes. I mean, George Mueller sometimes prayed for two months straight for things and then somebody shows up at his door with a thousand pounds for something. Or like one time George Mueller said nobody, God hadn't answered his prayer for like a month. And he's like, God, I just need confirmation that I'm going in the right direction. If you'll just have somebody show up with 20 pounds for such and such a purpose. And he gets up from praying and there's a knock at his door. And it's a lady who says she just felt compelled to give this money to him. And he asks her what purpose. And she's like, oh, just for whatever. And he's like, no, did you have a specific purpose in mind? And she's like, well, I kind of thought maybe this, and it was what he had prayed for. Mm. And then he goes upstairs and tells his wife, if I'm not mistaken, there's a 20-pound note in this envelope. And it was. And I was like, is that kind of the Gideon fleecing thing? Because that was a bad thing. Like, God did not look super favorably on Gideon testing him. But even though Gideon was testing him, God still answered Gideon's prayers. Um, I, as I'm... Ref- as you're talking, I'm reflecting on on my prayer life, or well, lack thereof. Um, I don't actually pray for anything specific. I'm coming to realize as I'm thinking through this. I go on like specific actions, and I I don't know why that is. Like I'll pray for something in 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 like it's, you know, God give me direction today, but I won't ask for anything specific. I don't pray, dear God. 
please let this TV show get picked up so I have an awesome job and can make a TV show. Like, I don't, I don't pray like that. I'm like, why not? I'm not going to pray. See, I don't know, but I don't even, I don't pray for anything specific. I don't pray like, God, I could really use some money to, to pay this bill this month or. But do you think we should be? I have no freaking idea see, because like, I, I've got no idea. See, I've been struggling with this because like for George Mueller, it was, well, it's not for him. Like it's not his needs. It's the needs of the orphans. So does the fact Why are that, you still trying to hold that cat? Cause I don't, cause I'm about to go put her out <laughs> of the door cause I'm getting clawed. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm a crazy cat lady now. At least you only have one. Until, Yeah. We haven't gotten her spayed yet, so at least it's until she gets knocked up. Yeah. Um, so kitty, so kitty, that's, kitty. I mean, I kind of wrestle with wow. is, it, you know, should our prayers look different from his because he's, you know, he's not praying for things. But then there's that artificial sacred secular, um, you know, our, is our desire to provide for our family and to honor the Lord with what we do within the confines of the six of us, is that less holy or less of a good than George Mueller doing this for thousands of people? I don't know. Like two things run around in my mind. One of them is, you know, the whole reform, total depravity thing. You know, it's like we're totally depraved. So even (laughs) if we do pray for something, it's not going to be from... A healthy standpoint it's going to be messed up anyway and we already know from well, maybe experience not met, like there will be a, always a taint of right. selfishness well we also know from experience that god doesn't answer prayers or answer them how we see fit so is it just us being selfish or thinking we know what's best to ask for something specific or is it, or would be better, better off going? God, just let me accept whatever answer you give me in this situation, regardless of what it is, because I don't know what it is I want, and I don't know what it should be, but I want something here. But I, I think know. there's for sure a biblical warrant for asking for specific things. Like we're told to pray for people's healing. We're told how'd that work out for that <laughs> for that unnamed six year old who was dead. Oh, she was younger than that. She was like two. But yeah. Yeah, how'd that work out um, for him? Right. We can get back to that. Um, Sorry, that's But nice. for sure, there are people who experience seemingly miraculous healing, not resurrection, but, you know, things where doctors... Can you imagine if somebody got resurrected today? Like, that would be... Anyway, sorry. But, you know, things where, where doctors are baffled, they've, they're convinced that somebody mm-hmm. actually is dead. I mean, you, you first, you definitely. Well, we've heard stories where somebody will go in with like stage four cancer and then it's gone. Like I think I've heard at least tests. three yeah. or four of them in my life. It's like, yeah. Whoa. You know? Yeah. And like the, the testing was not wrong. It wasn't a doctor's mistake to diagnose that. So there's, there's precedent in the Bible, in fact, there's a command in the Bible to pray for healing, but I think we pray for it in the way that Jesus prayed in the garden. He prayed very specifically, let this cup pass from me. Like, God, I don't want to suffer and die on the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So there's the both and of <coughs> God's will be done, but here's the specific thing that I deeply desire but what i deeply desire more is to trust in you 
with all my heart. So that Christ sets the perfect example for that for us. But, um, I mean, there's so many complex, like you said, there's, it, with the sin in our hearts, there's so many complicating factors. I mean, like, you know, does, does. We're not forbidden to pray for resurrection. Are we? We're not forbidden to do that. No, you're right. But if you want it and you want something specific, would you not pray for that in faith? Yeah. But you're also, I mean, the the fancy term for what you're doing right now is an overrealized eschatology. Oh gosh, I don't even I, You're basically saying that heaven normal. heaven should exist right now. We still oh, live in a broken world. Okay. So in other words, the eschatology is the end times. What God has promised, <clears throat> he will bring usher in with a new heaven and a new earth, that there will be no more pain, there will be right. no more sin, no more death, no more tears. And so when you say, we're claiming that right now, God has promised this, you're saying that that what God has promised in heaven should exist right now on earth. And what's happening right now on earth is... The spread of the gospel and people. So, would, so are you are you are are you saying that then it's not theological to pray that way? To pray for resurrection, yeah. five it's, days after somebody has died. It's not a theological. I mean, there's no sound. biblical precedent past three days okay. for a resurrection. Well, now see, that's that we can all agree on. Um, but I mean, I, I mean that's what's so tricky about this. With God, all things are possible, right? Uh. So, but I mean, we're not the ones to spill all the ink, I mean, and all the yeah, podcast time and the theological issues of praying for the resurrection of a child who's been dead one, two, three, four days. Um, but what what intrigues me in that is the idea, I, I guarantee you there are people out there who were praying for that sweet little girl to literally get up from the morgue she be trauma. Can you imagine, like, suddenly resurrecting and you're in, like, a drawer in the morgue? Yeah. That'd be terrifying. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much more terrifying would that be than... Traumatized. La- yeah, how much more... No more than Lazarus, who's completely wrapped in burial claws and can't see... That would be see, terrifying, you know, too. Like, how did he, like, did he, he couldn't get out. Like, he's probably... I mean, that's why when he... As soon as he... As, as soon as he came was, out, like, they later? were like, hey, help the guy out. Let's unwrap him. Um, they're like, what is that noise right now? No, they knew. Um, but but I guarantee you there were people out there who were praying and wondering if they had enough faith to make this happen. And then when it didn't happen, if they felt like it was their fault. Like, if you, hmm. if you have a theology that if you believe with all your heart that God will answer a prayer that's prayed in faith, if... The prayer is not answered. Is it because it wasn't God's will or is it because you didn't pray hard enough or you didn't believe enough? I mean, that's that's the whole prosperity gospel thing, too, right? That's heavy. But, yeah. no, you know, right. that that now I'm trying to think what it's called, the prosperity gospel book that I read this summer. I mean, a lot of her thing was it, it turns into a council of despair because it's it's not a gospel at all. It depends on the quality of your faith, which turns faith into a work. Because we don't even have enough faith. I mean, that's what Jesus loved about that Roman centurion, right? He says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's 
in my opinion, that's kind of the best any of like us in, can in do. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, we we want to fashion, we want to fashion God into our own sort of religion. Like this is how I want God to work and do it. I mean, Tim Keller talks about it in in Prodigal, Prodigal God, um, the older brother, who basically his whole idea of who God was was God owes me something because I've done so I've done so good for him. I've done that was kind of the story of my life. It's like, well, I've been in church every day. I got it, two Bible degrees. I get this is what I'm doing for you. I've gone on visit, you know, I've done all this stuff for you, God. You should be treating me this way. You know, so we're kind of fashioning, you know, it's, we're fashioning God into who we want him to be rather than who he is. And we do that in ways. big ways, but we also do it in little ways. Like Titus hit one of his sisters today and I called him upstairs and was that today or yesterday? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, I I gave him a pretty thorough lecture because it basically came out to I told her to get out of my room and she wouldn't or something along those lines. And um, I said, so basically you want to be in control of your sisters and they're not doing what you want. And I said, you've got to get I mean, it's yes, we need to teach your sisters boundaries and respect for you and you guys all need to learn to love and serve each other better but for you right now because you're the one I'm talking to you need to get used to not having all the control I mean he is literally the older brother and he will probably metaphorically struggle with being the elder brother his entire life but um, I mean I also know this because I'm projecting my own heart on him but the desire to be in control (laughs) It, to control other people so that they wrap their worlds around how I want my world to be. The desire to control my circumstances. And I was like, look, buddy, there are many forces outside of your control. Gravity, for example. You can say, I defy gravity. I am not going to let this thing control me because I don't like it. And I want to be in control of the forces that hold me down on earth or not. And then you can go jump off of a building and you are not in control of gravity. You're going to hit the ground really hard and it's going to hurt. It doesn't matter how much in your mind you defy gravity. Even more so, God is, he's not an impersonal force like gravity, but he is a force. He is a per- very personal force and you will never be in control he will always be in control. I mean, that's the sin in the garden, right? You can be like God. He what? will never be in control. Anyway, all of that to to wrap that up. I was, I mean, that's it's my struggle too, which is why I can project it on him. And I love that book, The Garden, The Curtain, and The Cross, the children's book, because it's provided so many great object lessons because the whole, the way they frame the original sin and then they repeat it as a refrain throughout is... The people did a terrible thing because they decided they didn't want God to be in charge. You guys, Molly is so <coughs> good at coming up. And occasionally I'll give myself some credit. I'll pat myself on the back because I've got some good ones every now and then. But applying child behavior to their heart and then giving some sort of analogy that really makes sense for them. She's brilliant at it. And as such... I, was, I think it was today. Because and you'll see it in the beha- the perfect behavior of our children. No, 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 no. No, our kids are terribly behaved. I beat them half the time. Um, no, 
I think it was today because I was thinking as you were telling him today, I was like, I need to let her know she needs to write that example down and throw it on her blog. I've actually created a hashtag that's searchable or a category called kid theology. So it's basically like all these little snippets of things. I think there's only one in there so far, but all these little snippets of things as they happen throughout our day and our lives, like, Ooh, that was really good. And maybe it wasn't, maybe I'm being really arrogant right now, but it was like, Oh, that's a really good analogy. I gotta write that down as we can record them for, you know, entertainment's sake or something later on down the line, or maybe <clears throat> help somebody if I can presume to be so bold. It's so weird when I start hustling myself. I'm great. I'm a great parent. I'm a terrible parent. Um, so to put a bow on the George Mueller conversation, he does. there's this one really big episode where in this big brick building, 350 kids are sitting it, sitting down for breakfast. And he, George Mueller is like wandering through the gardens with this eight-year-old daughter of one of the guys who works there. And this lady comes up to him and she says, the kids are ready for breakfast, but there's literally no food. And he's the little girl's name is Abigail. And he says, Abigail, come here. And he, they go into the, into the dining hall where there's 300 kids lined up with forks and plates and knives and cups. And he thanks God for the food that he's going to provide for breakfast. And they all sit, and this is a real story. They all sit down for breakfast. You should turn George Mueller's life into a book or into a movie after this other one gets made. So they all, they, in I fact, love, I love your optimism right now. This is, I'm, I'm, but I've got some clout and I've had something successful. I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. Um, <laughs> um, so they all, the kids all sit down. There's a knock at the door. And this baker goes, I couldn't sleep last night. So I decided to bake some bread for you. And he's got like enough bread he started baking at 2 30 in the morning and he's got enough bread that they all eat their fill of bread and have leftovers and then there's another knock on the door and the milkman his cart broke down right in front of the orphanage and the cart th there's so much milk in the cart that he can't like he has to offload all of this weight so Mueller sends 20 kids out to bring all this milk inside because the guy's like, you'd be doing him a favor if you would take this milk off of my hands because otherwise I'm just going to have to dump it on the side of the road so I can get my broken cart home. So there's enough milk for every kid to drink as much as they want and then they have some leftover for their afternoon tea. And then here's here's the Nobody kicker. Nobody would believe this movie. They watch it and go, no. Yeah, so so here's the kicker is, um, is Abigail um, goes home and she starts, um, she now ends all of her prayers that night. Her parents tell George, all of her prayer requests are ended with, like you do for George Mueller. Amen. And that's, huh. that's actually why he, he did that. He published a journal of his prayers is mm -hmm. because he wanted other people to learn from his example. Like he was not just living by faith by conviction but he was also living by faith as an example to other people but part of me in fact tonight with lily i don't think i would have the character to be able to do live like that but but would you have the character to do a specific request to god and then to end it with like you did for george mueller amen i don't have that much faith i just i don't like and maybe i have bad theology but it's like i couldn't 
It's like, like George, yeah, right. Like George Mueller, yeah, okay. Yeah, do it like you parted the Red Sea. Do it like you raised Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, right. And that's just my attitude. It's probably pretty terrible, but... It is pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I should. Mean, you should I read this book. You should I, read this book. I should. Book. The whole point of recording I'm his life a, is to... I'm ins- cynic anymore. Is to inspire I should have, our faith. Yeah, I should. I mean, I should have a better attitude, but I don't know. I'll think of something... I'll think of something. I don't know what that something is. I'll, I'll find something to pray for. Okay. And then you should read this book when I'm done with it with the kids. I just got the Cliff Notes version from you. You don't need it. You need to read the book. I need to read the book, and I need to break it down scene by scene and adapt it and develop it into a movie. Actually, this whole series, um, Christian Heroes, Then and Now, I think it's published by, yeah, it's published by YWAM. And with our curriculum, we got a whole set of them, and we read them as we read, as we're studying, doing a unit study on that region of the world. So we did Cam Townsend, who started Wycliffe Bible Translators when mm-hmm. we were studying Latin America, because he started in Mexico and Guatemala. Um, which what he, curriculum is this? My Father's World. And this has, and you guys did sausages. Well, that was Germany. And mm-hmm. there were 1,500 of them. Different types of sausage in Germany. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite sausage topping? I've never watched you decorate a sausage. Well, it depends on if it's like a legit sausage or if it's like a Costco Idell's bacon pineapple sausage, which I don't think need anything. But if it's a legit sausage, I like to put spicy brown mustard, um, pickle relish, and sauerkraut. Like a little bite. All at once? Uh Uh-huh. A little bite. That's a lot. A little bit of each uh, with one bite. I don't really like eating them in the bun because there's just too much going on there unless i'm in like i did have a chicago style hot dog when we went to a cubs game mm-hmm. with um with my parents my dad's family when my brother graduated from business school there that was good was it, think, you know what the chicago style hot dog is yeah well we we visited the um were you there the week no the the last year when titus and i went out with your dad to chicago we went to that Chicago fact, the hot dog fact, the place that... Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, there's a hot dog place. And so we went and had the Chicago-style hot dogs there. Normally, I only like ketchup on my hot dog, but I had a Chicago-style hot dog and it was pretty delicious. Does this got like the pickled yeah. yellow peppers and... I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of pickled things. Um, I like only some versions of kimchi, but the... Um, I think at home, when you buy sausage, when you make sausage, I think I ever just... All I ever do is add sriracha. Which is actually, I don't know if, if if the like original sriracha sauce is fermented, but you can buy like a good fermented, mm. which would taste almost the same, but have the gut benefits. Brief sideline, because I know you're about to tell a story about Lily and then we'll close our show. But there is a fantastic documentary on sriracha. It's like 25 or 30 minutes long. I think, I don't remember who I watched it with. I watched it with somebody. You watched it with Marshall. Watched it with Marshall. I think it might have been on Netflix. It was fantastic. Such a great story. So if you're a fan of Sriracha, go see if you can find it. I think it's actually called just Sriracha. I think I have it in my watch list. It's awesome. Short, sweet. So anyway, you were gonna say something about Lily. Oh no, I all I was gonna say about Lily is that we that I can't even remember what we prayed for tonight, but oh. we we ended with like you do for George George Mueller. Or dead. We're piggybacking on somebody else's faith, which I think is fair. Okay, cool. Molly does have a master's in religion. 
Theology. Master's in theology from Westminster Seminary. Which makes so me extra holy. <clears throat> well, it no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. The only thing I, I struggle with is everybody wants Molly for everything. You know, they want you to be on the boards of organizations. They want you to speak and write and they want you to just speak and write. They, they just, You're and very nobody, generous for Nobody wants, I, I think it would sort of be probably too fulfilling one day is if somebody recruited me for something and said, it's like validation that I'm good at something. Maybe you should pray for that. Um, huh. <laughs> Dear Jesus, please help me feel good about myself by having somebody. I, I think I think the answer to that's going to be lightning striking. Way, yeah. Can you pray not, that far away from me? No, I should. Maybe be, somewhere we need a tree cut down or a hole dug in the be, ground. Yeah, I should be praying for validation in other ways. I think I talked about adorning the dark, uh, which he talks. Andrew Peterson talks about that in his book last. last I'll week, I'll so. make my last thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, of course, you knew. You know. You constantly surprise me with your knowledge of all things musical. Like, oh, yeah, I see that person in Andrew Peterson's band. I knew her way back when. <laughs> and so today I'm like, I discovered this new artist. I mean, she's got album upon album going on. But I just saw a link to one of her, a, a lullaby album. And I was intrigued because we play lullaby music to, Christian lullaby music to our kids. I mean, like... They, Faith dances to it. She hums to it. She just adores the same Rain for Roots album that we've played to put all of our kids to sleep. So I'm playing this new one, and there's this really lovely song called Always Remember to Never Forget. And I pretty much have had it on nonstop play. Faith screamed the entire way to pick you the girls up from judo tonight. I don't know what her deal was, but I had it blasting to try to drown you out. You need to put on rain for roots. I, sh I probably actually whoa, should Whoa, 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 whoa. She yeah. sits in the back. By the way, Ellie Holcomb actually makes those sort of, as Elise calls her, Helly Holcomb, makes, like, she does, like, whoa, whoa, whoa songs in a lot of her songs. And Elise, Faith, who is 20 months old, actually, like, hears her singing, and it doesn't matter what song, she's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Oh, um, it's super cute. Um, but she, um, anyway, um, the speaking of you were talking about finding meaning and validation, and this could be a topic for a whole nother. My episode. knowledge of the Christian music industry. No, 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 no. It just, I mean, that the the chorus of this song. Well, it's the first verse plus the chorus is basically like the princess fairy tales that you love. <laughs> Are, are obviously the poetry of it is more lovely than I can remember right now because I've only been listening to the song for one day. I don't have it memorized yet. But basically, you are, you are the beautiful maiden and the pure, noble rescuer is Jesus. Like, the princess fairy tales are ripped from your real life story. And so, and then when you look in the mirror, despite what everything the world is telling you, they're trying to strip this beautiful story the world is trying to strip this beautiful story away from you. Always remember to never forget that when you look in the mirror, the answer is yes. Yes, you are pure as gold. Yes, you are beautiful. And just affirming the value of the person looking in the mirror and not the inherent value, but the value bestowed on us by Christ loving us. And obviously, I mean, I, I don't want my daughters to look in the mirror and say, I'm pure as gold. I want my daughters to look in the mirror and say, uh, there are a zillion, you know, 
billions of people in the world across time. And God loves each of us individually and uniquely, and he treasures each of us individually and uniquely. So it doesn't degrade God's love for me that he loves all of these other people. Um, But he does deeply value me because he handcrafted me and he's deeply invested in who I am. And anyway, I have several songs. Ellie Holcomb's Wonderfully Made is one of them. Andrew Peterson, the song that he sings with his daughter Sky, mm-hmm. Be Kind to Yourself. They're songs that I want to play over and over because I already see in Lily this tendency to be really critical of herself and to question her value. And it's only going to get worse. I mean, God gave us three daughters. Um... <laughs> Oh, believe me, I know. We can, the good news you, you is, can start praying specifically. The good news is that I am highly emotional, so I understand the emotional ones. I don't. For for the... Anyway. Christy I, Knuckles is the artist that we're referring to. Yes. When I was at Moody Bible Institute, I worked for their broadcast programming department, and we would create all of the live call-in shows, and there were two, three a day. Um, that would go out worldwide. And then we also developed the programming that would go out to all the other stations as well. And one of those um, shows, we would have musical guests would come in to the radio station and we would do a live performance because there were three recording studios. It's like the NPR Tiny Desks. Yeah, they were amazing. Um, So, you know, Chris Tomlin was there all the time. Matt Redman would come in. Matt and Beth would come in with... um, and hang out. Nathan and Christy were. That was a long nerds. time ago. That's before. Fernando they were Ortega was like he was. Oh, I you know, love he Fernando came Ortega. All the, he came he was all my time. playlist all the way up to Red Lodge last Saturday. That's awesome. So everybody would come into this to the studio, and um, at the time, nothing like Teeny Desk ever existed. So nobody thought. I don't even think YouTube existed. At the, it was two thousand. No, we are old. This was 2000, 2000, 2001. Um, so nobody thought to actually record these on video like that didn't even, didn't even occur to us. So anyway, I would assist on those sessions since I worked for the programming department and it was awesome. How do you spell her last name? N O C K L E S. I think something like that or E L S. I can't remember. So the album is N O C K E L. I think it's E L S. E L S. Um, I couldn't remember if there's a K at the beginning of her last name, but it's a, her, no. The Lullaby album is super lovely. Oh, one it's got a fi- great cover. One final thing. It's called Be Held. So, like, there's a play on words of be held, like a baby that you're holding is going to be held, but also you're beheld by Christ. Um, I don't listen to this kind of music. I mean, I listen to some of it, but like, Vo Williams just released a new single today. That's really great. It's like in my fight music track. My play fight music. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. A little bit of hip hop, a little bit of techno. It's good stuff. Um, but she's got some really fun, like lovely lullaby sort of mm-hmm. music too. Like she covers uh, la 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 no, or whatever it is from Lady and the Tramp. Mm. And we just watched Lady and the Tramp with our kids. The cartoon version. The cartoon version on Sunday night. And Lily totally recognized it when I played it for her. Oh, that's fun. Um, so anyway, it's a it's a really fun album and that's my cool. like my one thing I guess. Awesome. Okay, well that's we've been on for long enough and we all need to go to bed. Um got some cool ideas for guests coming up. Have our friends, normal people in the studio to hang out with us and talk about random things. So that should be fun. So if you like us, 
Um, the best thing you can do is share us with your friends and leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform because we want to be the number one rated podcast in the world. <laughs> I got Joe Rogan in my sights, man. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna put a red dot in him, and he's go. He, I'm taking him out. Right. <laughs> Why don't you pray for that? Yeah. Specifically, like you did for George Mueller. I can take out Joe Rogan as being if like it's the number your one podcast. All right. Well, until next week, guys. Thank you. Have fun.